Friday, welcome to Adam versus the Man. Good news Friday. Got some really positive stuff today. The title of today's episode is How to Talk to Strangers. And I, I mean that in a very specific way. We're not talking about uh sales or activism. I'm talking about casual interactions to make your life better. This isn't about evangelism or business or politics or anything like that. This is what I have learned and what this recent article from The Atlantic uh, by Joe Keohane in their family section, the surprising benefits of talking to strangers, uh, sort of reminded me of. And just to put this like in context, what I'm talking about is in casual interactions, telling dumb dad jokes at the dollar store, you know, waving at, at the gas station, helpfully pointing out that someone's left their gas camp cap cover thing on their car open or helping a stranger with directions. I guess that's, that's not really a thing anymore. <laughs> right. In the yeah. smartphone. Right. Throwing your jacket down on a puddle to help an old lady across the street. That was never a thing. That was just some weird cartoon mythology. Um, but, and just at your checkout clerk at the store. And I think this is especially important given the general disconnect that we are experiencing right now under the dark cloud of COVID. Yes, we had to mention it at some point in the show today, but we are going to get into the story. We've got, of course, got a cornucopia of good news as we do every Friday. One thing missing, kind of disappointing in my producer's club, we're not hooking us up with more like high-tech innovation stories and, and space exploration stuff. A little, little short on that. We got a lot of human optimization. We got a lot of understanding nature. We got real-life SpongeBob. Yes. This makes and me Patrick so Starr. Did you see this? No, I missed it. All right. Well, it's coming up later. The headline is researchers find real-life SpongeBob SquarePants and Patrick Starr. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah no. It's, yeah, the picture's going to blow your mind. We'll describe it for the audio audience later on in the show in our Understanding Nature section, which we end every Good News Friday with. Jay Nygaard joins us today. And Jay is, of course, GoGreenEnergyOnline.com, who uh, gave us the turbine that we have out here on the cabin. And when he came and installed it, uh, you know, we got to hang out for a weekend and get to know him a little bit. And he's not just, a, you know, a good sale, like a handy sales guy. He's just a friendly dude. Totally. And and I, you know, I talked to him a little bit about this this morning on on Telegram, just prepping for today's show. He's, I said, you know, we're talking about talking to strangers. I said, I bet that's something you're good. He's like, oh yeah. It, the the article mentions greyhound therapy, and there's so many positive benefits of just having casual interactions with strangers, as opposed to not. Because not having casual interactions with strangers, imagine you, you don't talk to the clerk at the store when you check out or your barista at Starbucks. You no longer see them as humans so much as functionaries in your life. But even telling a dumb joke or saying, hey, how's it going? Just those basic 
casual, polite, friendly interactions are reaffirming of something really deep in humanity, that the world is not a scary place, but a welcoming and loving place. And that is what we find. And that is what is brought into this conversation in a cool way with this article and the studies that it gets into. But I think with uh, with Jim, who's also pretty good at this, Joey, G.I. Mary Jane, who's also pretty good at this. One of my favorite pastimes, really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I think I'm, I'm very good at this, but I, I fall in and out of the habit. And I, I notice it here, you know, like there are times and, and, and even with COVID there have been times like, you know, everybody's wearing a mask. I have to wear a mask in this situation or can't be in this building or, or whatever. And it's all the more important to connect with people. I think right now during COVID, even, even if you're in a situation where you have to wear a mask, do you remember being be in the airport a few months ago and having was it the, the family walk up and be like, it's so awesome I'm watching you guys walk around without masks. Like, I don't want to wear this. Or, or we were getting off the plane. Remember this? And somebody walked up to us and commented on how we were so brave and they made it made them feel so good to see other people not. But yeah, especially right now in, in COVID with all the peer pressure and the criminalization of people who aren't fitting in the box. Yeah. We need to talk to strangers. Yeah, no, it's it's also, and and it's a weird thing if you're the one not wearing a mask, like, and for us here in Northern Arizona, certainly in Ash Fork area, Juniper Wood Ranch, uh, even Prescott, probably not Flagstaff. I mean, like, you know, part of it's like Flagstaff started going. I mean, a big part of this was over the dispensaries. I went to a dispensary in Flagstaff, I think like, seven or eight months ago at this point. I mean, but no, maybe it was it was early it was late winter here, uh early spring. And so I guess three or four months ago, something like that. And th- there were they had a, a mask Nazi at the door. And I was just like, yeah. And I left him a bad Google review, but it was just like, yeah, I'm not coming back here. And it, it is a weird this is one of those times where, you know, I question does if the Republican Party is is fake opposition or loyal opposition or controlled opposition, does that give us a genuine kinship with their base as people who, who, who to some degree want freedom and smaller government? Even if the party, I'm not giving any quarter to the party here. Don't get me wrong, but to the base, to the ethos behind it, perhaps we have some genuine thing in common that is now illuminated by the resistance to the COVID nineteen policies, where it does seem to trend liberal. Uh, the obedience, and maybe that's maybe that's now more so because Biden is in power. Obedience, maybe, and the ugliness. They are wishing death and jail and bad things on people who aren't wearing masks. So they're saying, yeah, concern is just, just wish that on brown people on the other side of the planet, yeah, right? So you know, like, ah, that... but but no, this is this is. I mean, they're neighbors. They're uh, you know friends of their of their kids. These are these are people that. If you look in social media, and I've had to break away too, people are just die or don't wear a mask. I hope you die. I mean, it, literally to that point, I've read things that blunt. Yeah. And it's really, it's horrible. And if you comment, I'm sorry that you have such disconcern for human life, they try to flip it on you. That, well, you're talking about social media interactions, right? Yes. In real life, it's rare that you come. I mean, it's the, internet, the internet I is full of Karen's. The real world, there are at least Phoenix, relatively few and far between. If we got closer know. to Phoenix, we'd find a lot more of them. 
I, I mean, where it, it depends on. We live in a nice neighborhood for that. We live in a nice part of the country for that in general. Uh, but all the more reason to strengthen those community ties and, and, and develop a healthy habit of talking to strangers. Shit, I got to find my passport or I can't fly next week. When is it we're flying? We're flying to Sacramento for the rally 9-11. That's, a, that's, that's like a month away. We're going to be promoting this, but mark your calendars. You can be in sets over a month away, month and five days. Today is August 6th. I used to announce the date. Is that silly? People don't care. No one's like, hey, Adam, you stopped saying the date at the beginning of the show. I don't even remember when I stopped. I think it was like three years ago. Today is August 6th, 2021. You're listening to Adam versus the man. Uh, yeah, but it's yeah, month and five days from now, 9-11. There's, uh, there's a big rally in D.C. And there's a big rally in Sacramento. Uh, and I encourage everybody, if you can, uh, be in one of those cities. Uh, I'm not going to overhype this and oversell it. Uh, like this is the make it or break it moment for our country. It's not that, but maybe critical and getting to that, you know, and marking the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Uh, I think reminding the COVID idiots that government is not to be trusted. Look at the last time they told us there was this big, scary thing to be afraid of, right? 9-11. How'd that, how'd that turn out when we succumb to that fear? So with that, executive producer Jim, Let's get the well. Let's smoke weed every day. Joe, why is Joey not on screen while she's talking? I don't know. You were looking at the comments. I was looking at comments. Hi. All right, Jim. You too. D O double G. Let me finish my yeah. oxygen intake. I will get to promos really quick if you guys don't mind. We'll knock those out of the way. That was a good uh, interlude. Adam has a Telegram channel. It's public. Everyone is welcome. It's t.me forward slash Adam versus man. If you're not a part of it, become a part of it. We're almost at, I think, 100 uh, people in that. So that's pretty cool. It is growing. It's growing slower than we thought it might. But uh, join it. T.me forward slash Adam versus man. It's awesome. Uh, one more thing before I get to the rest of the promos. I don't know if you guys knew this, but we are on every audio podcast that you can imagine. Whatever audio podcast system you use, hit the little search button, look for Adam versus the man, and I'll bet you you find it. And you can start listening to the show uh, every day through your car, wherever you want on your favorite audio podcast platform. Next, we go to patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man one, five, 10, even $50 a month, $10 a month to get you access to what's known as the private producers club. That's where we share links with each other, talk a little bit of shit with each other and discuss the ways of the world and what will be on the show the next time. So if you want to be involved in that level, Patreon.com's got you covered at 10 bucks a month. Instagram at the Garden of Freedom has pictures and videos of life up there in Gardenia. So if you're ever curious what goes on up there, if you want to see, if you scroll back far enough, you can see pictures through the winter when it gets covered in snow. Uh, all kind of years worth, over a year's worth of pictures on Instagram at the Garden of Freedom and more to come. So definitely get yourself connected with that. Next, we check out homefrontbattlebuddies.com. Uh, the veterans nonprofit organization that's making moves and trying to gather veterans from across the country to gather them together and heal them so that we never have to have any more active 
combat veterans in the future. We're trying to make ourselves the last generation of combat veterans the world ever knows. So if you'd like to help contribute to that in a theft deductible manner, you can do so here at homefrontbattlebuddies.com. Definitely give that a check out. Next, we check out the crypto6.com. That's the uh, the Bitcoin church that was raided up in Keene, New Hampshire. I'm sure you've heard of it. You can go to the crypto, the number six.com, and you can scan any of these QR codes to donate any cryptocurrencies you might be holding to help them out with their legal funds. But more importantly, this button on the top has the address to where you can write to Mr. Nobody who's still sitting in a cage. Uh, please do that and let them know Jim Freedom sent you or Adam Kokesh. She'll actually know that name. <laughs> GoGreenEnergyOnline.com is the best website we send you to for do-it-yourselfers looking to learn more about solar panels and micro wind power. We got uh, the creator of this website as our host today, as we do every Friday. So look forward to, if you have any questions about Go Green Energy Online or you visited it and you love it and you just want to tell them how awesome it is, uh, feel free to look forward to seeing him earlier in the show and definitely visit GoGreenEnergyOnline.com. That's all I got for promos. Back to you and the co-host. I hope you guys have a great show today. All right, we'll stay on here, Jim, because I want to get into the subject with you as well. We're going to jump right into this story from theatlantic.com. The surprising benefits of talking to strangers. So often, we're raised to see strangers as dangerous and scary. What would happen if we instead saw them as, a poten as potential sources of comfort and belonging? And again, to get into this, to connect it to current events, We are now being conditioned by the COVID propaganda to see everyone, even your family members could be, but especially strangers, are dangerous and scary. And it, it, is, it is this, I think, an under-examined part of the whole COVID phenomenon. I think we've done a decent job of covering it here, maybe okay, just mentioning it as it's relevant to current events. But that humans just generally being connected in us. We live in a society, people. You know, and now there's this disconnect and the relations and energy of connectedness between individuals is much more limited to what is dictated by authorities and mainstream powers. So instead of having you think about if everybody had a healthy lifestyle of talking to strangers, right? Like if we all had just casual interactions, you know, to chat about the weather and bullshit and tell dumb dad jokes. And then, you know, next thing you know you're going, hey, isn't this dumb thing with the, the COVID policy? And you get to connect and have that common humanity, right? You get to check your reality. You get that sense of community, that source of comfort and belonging. You take, imagine if, if everybody had that, say that would be like a, a, a quarter of our communications time, right? Our mental bandwidth of connecting with others, you know, maybe one quarter being in, uh, you know, work and family relationships and the other half probably being in consumption of mass media, right? Because that's a human connection. That's a relationship that you have with me when I'm talking on the screen, you know, it's, it's one way, except when you comment and we put it on your, on, on the screen to share with everybody else, obviously, but no, it's, 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 it's mostly one way, you know, we present, you know, an audience absorbs the message, right? But that's it. That's a human connection. That's a, and for most, I, I like to think this is a healthy one. For most Americans, it's television, right? It's television is their main source that's of sad. human connection, human relationships. Their true. relationships are dominated by that. You take out that one quarter of just 
community, talking to strangers, having meaningful interactions. And now that other, your, your, your family and work becomes a third. And that other portion that's dominated by propaganda of mass media consumption has a bigger share. And when that is so polluted and corrupt, and then there's no check on it of talking to strangers, and now your family and work relationships are also isolated because they don't have the events to go to where they get to interact. And it's not necessarily talking to strangers if someone you, know, you, you meet, you get to know a new person at a dinner party or a house party or, or some other activity, you know, to gathering small, medium, group size thing. But that whole just casual talking to strangers layer is a very important cultural uh, element in any society. There's a lot of cultural elements to it, standards of it, and a, and a relative strength and weakness to it. And I want to take it as a as a pet mission to say let's let's strengthen that American culture of talking to strangers. It's it's regional too. Um, so this whole phenomena of strangers not talking to each other was lost to me my entire life. I, I don't know if it's just a Baltimore thing, and, and I think it is. And honestly, I think it's out of, uh, I think it's a survival mechanism that people are so friendly in, in this place. But everywhere you go, people are always holding doors, saying hello. You get into conversations with people while you're in line. It's just, it's a very chatty town. I remember my grandmother tipping the the guy at the grocery store who helped put her, her bags away and just talking his ear off the whole way, being a kid, my mom having conversations with strangers. And then my dad being a cop and everybody knowing him walking up, these were strangers to me and then having conversations. And when I started traveling and realized that that's not a normal thing everywhere, it kind of blew my mind. I actually went live my first time I went to LA about it. I, I, I spent a bunch of money to go to some seminar and I was just like, oh, I'm gonna take the day off and, and walk the streets of LA. And I did. And I looked everybody in the eye and I smiled or said hello. And not one person even acknowledged. Like, like I couldn't even get somebody to make eye contact mm. and crack a smile back at me. And it put a really gross taste in my mouth for that. But made me grateful of where I come from for as disgusting as that city is. At least people are are chatty. And well, one of the things you mentioned there is, is as a survival instinct. And I think when you're in a, a state of uh, heightened alertness, you're going to seek human connectedness for reassurance and to check your reality and to gather information, right? And that, that's a natural, healthy thing, right? So, you know, you're on a, a, a subway platform. What is this? Healthy to expect. Wasn't it the 80s and me started him and the stranger danger thing. And yeah, the story mentions yeah. this. We're going to get into it. Yeah, it was um, bad when we were kids. But uh, it, it also talks about on subways, mass transit. There's a general, ex is, is, would you say that's not true in Baltimore? That people are chatty on the subway in Baltimore, on the train? I can't say I've buses. ever taken mass transit in Baltimore. I bet it's changed since you were a kid, I, though, too. I've never I, we walk I think everywhere. I've man. spent more time in Baltimore recently than you have for my time Probably. in D.C. The last time I was there was 2018 or 2017, maybe. Recently. I mean, it struck struck me as a more than than most, you know, northeast cities that are relatively cold that in that way. Uh, New York is interesting for, as a, from my experience because like most of it. In New York. Does that count as like interacting with strangers? But even that's, that's, cool even that's not a thing anymore. Really? No. Oh, it was bad when I was there. I mean, I couldn't. 
I mean, I, I had two girlfriends with me, and we were just dressed off. normal. I mean, we were not dressed. Who said you? Wasn't a show off night, and right. every like two people every block. You realize the blocks in New York are like what a quarter mile freaking long. They're, the long blocks. The long the blocks. blocks. But yeah, every like like two cars every block would be hooting and hollering and saying something that, to the point where I ended up walking up and having a, a come to Jesus moment with one of the gentlemen. So, yeah, well, I think there have been <laughs> enough of those, and it's been kind of. I think that that's a, a, a more recent trend. But you're right; there's a New York cultural phenomenon of catcalling. Different cities have expectations for that. Um, I think there are different places in New York City, like you go to Central Park, relatively friendly. Totally. You go to certain areas, neighborhoods, um, tourist areas, relatively friendly. You know, um, even um, what's the gosh? I'm thinking what's the, what's what's the what's the big intersection? It, oh my gosh! What the big intersection in in New York? Um, Times Square. Times Square. Yeah, duh. Times the Square. Ball and the thing yeah, Times Square. I you know, that, but I was muted. The, the digital billboards, the, the the square with the times in it. You the know, obviously. Um, it's such a it's just a natural name for the place. I've been there, you know, a dozen times. Jay Solso and most people are too, uh, too busy for that with work. Yeah, that's true. I but mean, see, even that, even that, these days than they did. No, but even that, um, that, that 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 is a relevant factor. But there's always in between time. You know, you go to the so so with zero reduction in efficiency. Just let your brain touch another human being's brain when you're checking out at Starbucks or at the store, right? Instead of seeing them as, you know, a, a functionary automaton, see them as a human being. Really? Do you need that extra 10 seconds to figure out what you're going to tell your boss at the meeting that morning? No, you no. fucking don't. You're not, you're not focusing on shit like that. You're watching her do mundane shit. So fucking have some human connection with that. You know, you're, there's so many in-between moments that we just let go silent. And I, and I think about people who are afraid of that, and, and I've always valued it for myself, my own ability to connect with people like that, flea market mutt. I drum up conversations anywhere, everywhere. You know, and I think of Michael Moresco, the Liberty writer. I don't know if anybody remembers him from the Ron Paul days, but he was uh, just a boots-on-the-ground Ron Paul evangelist. And even when Ron Paul wasn't running in between campaigns, well, he did it for my campaign, running for Congress in New Mexico, but Michael Moresco was just that great, chatty, make it about freedom, here's a flyer, check out this website kind of guy, and would just walk around, bicycling around the country in every interaction. You know, it, it was that. And I don't know if I'm at that level yet. Um, I do often in my conversations with strangers end up giving them my business card when I feel like I have a positive connection with them. But I should have one that's a bit more of like, flyer for strangers that i can give people because i tell my yeah. my dumb dad jokes are usually making fun of authority like usually it's, it, it's so easy to just make fun of dumb government shit all around you as it comes so up especially at the airport yeah so <laughs> yeah you'll never run out of material um so i don't know jim do you feel like you, you how do you feel you fit into this like what what, what how's your game Talking to strangers. By the way, this is about game for single dudes. This is really, like, yeah. really, you want to learn, know how to talk to women? Like, learn how to talk to everybody first and love it and enjoy it and just connect with people naturally. 
too, as an introvert on the internet is as good as I can get. No. Whoopty do. I mean, I no. look. I have no. moments. I'm very extroverted. What is my my omnivert? Somebody told me I was once. I don't know. I don't like labels. But hold on, hold on. Back to Jim. I'm very extroverted, but but you 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 recluse sometimes. Hold on, I'll, I'm going to cover this, but I want to hear Jim's take on this first. Uh, well, I don't really know what to say. I mean, I, as far as personally goes, yeah, I'm, I'm a, a chatty Kathy, you know, I like to, I like mm -hmm. to what I, do what I call planting seeds, uh, whether it be a one liner and the person feels uncomfortable. So then I turn around and leave them alone. Or if they receive it at all and they, they are interested yeah. at all, then I engage, you know what I mean? And yeah. Your, your offhand libertarian snarky anti-government dad joke game is pretty on point. I'm right. <laughs> So, so, I mean, that's, you know, that's as far as that goes. I don't know uh, the situation with Baltimore. I mean, I haven't been to Baltimore since AIT probably over 20 years ago when I was in advanced individual training. The only thing I know about Baltimore is I'm a 19 year old soldier and I just got my day pass and we took a out like six of us took a van ride to Baltimore street, which is basically just a line of bars. And all of us soldiers that are all obviously under 21, we're all fresh out of the boot, man. We're walking down this street. They got all the doors open. Come on in. We got free drinks for soldiers and our girls. And I mean, I'm telling you, this, this isn't even the worst of it. You walk into the bar and you see guys sitting to the side of the bar like this. And over the bar, all you see is a head that keeps coming up and back down. And you see another chick over here that's looking weird going like this. I'm like, oh my God, dude. It was like culture shock like a motherfucker. I was like, I can't, I can't handle this. this is we call much. that the block. That is called Jesus. the block in, in Baltimore. Culture when you shock. talk about the block, it's that, that strip club block. And then, so there's, there's those strip clubs, and then there's the other strip clubs in Baltimore. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Me, then me, that is where like three of us, like three of us, were like, dude, this is a little bit too much and for my personal taste. Right and we took, a, we took another thing. Yeah, I know, and they don't give a fuck. They don't care. People walking down they the street smoking their blunts. They don't. And this was all before marijuana, anything. Like I said, twenty years ago. To people be fair, walking if you're down black, the street, they do care, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, well, they're, they're trying to write tickets yeah. and generate revenue. I wasn't paying attention to that at that point in my life, uh, unfortunately. But, but you say people were friendly. But uh, people were over friendly yeah. almost. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was they were bending over backwards. But I think that was just because they wanted our our money that they knew was sitting. Yeah, in our see, that's, that's the camp. pockets in New York that are friendly are often the places where there's a street hustle. Right. You know, and that part of that's a some of that's a bad thing. Some of that's exploitative and overselling and you know fraud bullshit but overall it's a good thing and it's a fun part of a city culture you know when there's there's farmers markets flea markets art walks uh areas with buskers in new york it, it kind of opens up the uh, the the environment it, it to to casual connection to talking to strangers where the subway often kind of kills that right the culture of the subway is you don't talk to strangers now, it's not that bad. It's not ironclad. It's not like you can't talk to strangers. But a lot of people, it's like head down, headphones on. And, and there is a disconnect with that. You know, and I go back to the situation with Joey where you said, like, it's as, as a defense mechanism. If there's a shooting going on, for example, like you go, what you're, you're, you're not just going to keep your mouth shut and figure it out. Right away, you're all ears. And if you have a question and there's someone next to you, why are you running? <laughs> Where are you running? You know, like basic yeah. shit, right? And 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 that's an extreme example, but 
if you walk into a dark alley and you're not sure what's going on, but there's a couple of people hanging out, you go like, hey guys, what's going on? Nobody oh, we're just here waiting for this. Oh, okay, cool. And it, and it, it kind of puts up. you at ease. But if that. people don't respond, you go, shit's about to go down. Right? Like, this is a cliche out of TV shows and movies. <laughs> They've all got this scene where someone tries to talk to a stranger. And they get a very important cue from that response. You know? And sometimes it's, it's usually like, oh, I'm not supposed to be here right now. You know, that's good. Right? And so I want to address this thing about being an introvert. Because I, I think it's kind of a bullshit dichotomy, introvert, extrovert, first of all. But the, the practical uh, distinction that I've come to embrace in the way I use those terms is that an extrovert is someone who is recharged by interacting with other people. An introvert is someone who is recharged by time alone. And that's we very both, subjective. That's and a lot of people dollar. need some of both, right? Yeah. And everybody needs some... Uh, really, everybody needs a certain amount of both. And if you say I'm an introvert because I, I sway more to the alone time side, that's fine. That might be healthy for you. That's cool. But if it's an if you say I'm an introvert as in I have a fear-based view of the world and other people and a low skill set in, in social interactions, fuck that. Fix that shit. You know? Okay, so Johan Nordstrom, it's also a cultural thing in Scandinavia. You talk to strangers, they think you're a junkie. I think I say I'll say this. I think that the culture of social media is affecting and changing people's in-person interactions. Like you, you made a solid point that much you you'll you'll get much more flack on a social media post comment feedback than you would in person. You know what I mean? The trolls don't troll in person, so to speak. But I do feel like just the culture of social media itself is causing us to like the general population when they're out if they're going to talk to another person it's if, if it's if they need to correct them for some reason you know what right, i'm saying so, so there's automatically a contradicting a that's not going to be very beneficial to either right. side if the immediate thing is, yeah, a con yeah. is a controversy you know so this other critical influence of social media that you bring up is a very important interaction with this bigger concept of talking to strangers and fear and that, that's a great way to, to get in a great uh, sort of segue back into the article here um, because it's that uh, false expectation. If, if everybody in real life acted like they did on social media, people would fucking suck. Holy shit. You wouldn't go to parties. You wouldn't talk to strangers. No. And, and it's not just that social media has some inherent tendency to bring out the worst in people because I don't think it does. It really has a tendency to bring out the best in people and to empower people to connect and to build community online and to, and to not feel alone in really powerful ways. But in, in specifically, fuck Facebook for the way that they uh, deliberately, emotionally manipulate you through your feed. Get like, really don't like maybe once a week is a curiosity or once a month, if you really feel some weird need to, but like, Business multiple times a day. No, no, no you're straight. No, no, checking your feed. Even then, yeah, don't right. check your Facebook feed. You want know, to check your messages. You want to look up other people's presences. You want to organize events. There's a sort of conscientious way to use Facebook to minimize. But even then, the polluting effect is so bad, and the feed is so polluted by that manipulation that it is going to give you a distorted view of humanity. 
and you're going to be more afraid of your fellow human beings. And so you have to have healthy social habits that give you another way of connecting with people. So um, the story starts. Nick spent, excuse me, Nick spent most of her childhood avoiding people. She was raised by a volatile father and a mother who transferred much of the trauma she experienced onto her daughter. The combination left Nick fearful and isolated. Quote, my primitive brain was programmed to be afraid of everybody because everybody's evil and they're going to hurt you, she told me. Nick asked to be referred to only by her first name to protect her privacy. Nick's fear isn't uncommon in a country where valid lessons about Stranger danger can cast all people you don't know as threats to be feared, but she recognized it was unhealthy. So she took steps to engage with the world. As she grew older, she began to travel to seek new people out. At 17, she visited Europe for 10 days with her high school classmates and noticed that people began starting conversations with her. If people in Europe randomly talk to me, then maybe I'm not so bad. Maybe I'm not going to die if I randomly talk to them. Now, I, I think about this especially like, and, and this is, I, I hate to kind of fall back to a cliche, but the value of travel, especially for children and young adults. And I think I was really spoiled with that as a kid. It was really important for me developing a healthy worldview. But I think about all of the American teenagers who never had any experience outside of their hometown and their high school and, or their, their, you know, their, their government's elementary, middle high school chain. And, they get into some pattern as the outcast, as the the weirdo, and they are denied a whole level of human connection that turns into a self-loathing and a judgment. And it's, oh, well, uh, I must. there must be something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my face. There's something wrong with my body. There's something wrong with my clothes. There's something wrong with the way I talk. That's why no one in my high school likes me, and I'm always one of those kids. And then all you got to do is put them in a different environment. Send them fucking summer camp. Give them a fresh start with a new group of people, maybe. You know, maybe that's not it. Maybe they got to go to Europe, as you know, and, and go backpacking for a while. Maybe they got to go on a road trip with the family and just meet strangers, you know, in you know, cross demographics that they don't see in that, you know, routine grind of a high school experience. But when they're denied that, it's not just, oh, you had kind of an isolated childhood. It's you, your humanity was not realized because of that isolation. It stuck there. It stuck there. Uh, Mercedes brings up people who never left the inner city. Like that was, yeah, that was me as a kid. Now, to be fair, we would take day trips to like Gettysburg and Manassas. So, like, there was a bunch of Civil War areas that were within an hour drive from growing up. But, you know, no, no real travel. I personally and, believe that traveling and actually even living in other places for at least some time, some amount of time is yes. important for, for human growth and human happiness. Yes. And I, I think it's yes. absolutely detrimental for people that are born somewhere, grow up there and absolutely never leave, you know, except for the minor one week vacation. That's not good enough to me, in my opinion. I don't yes. think a one week vacation is good enough to yes. to expand your your human awareness and consciousness. Yeah, I'm gonna kind of repeat that point to maybe plant a bug in the ear of some people in the audience because this could be a life changing point. Even if you are absolutely confident in your lifestyle and you know how you want to live, you should experience other lifestyles. Take take a month, go so travel, or go 
take a part-time job or save up and take a long vacation, but a meaningful vacation of experiencing a different culture and, and really kind of getting it as a lifestyle experience, not, you know, a week in and out in a hotel and seeing tourist spots, obviously, which is great too. And, right, and for people, right. you, know, you need a mix of that as well, I think, in a, in a, in a rich, complete life. But I, I don't need at this point for myself to go experience different lifestyles because it's like, well, you know, I mean, my, from my parents splitting up and being back and forth and being in different communities to uh, boarding school, to summer camps, to sighted space camp, you know, to being in the military, to being stationed in different places in the military, to activism and living in a group home for veterans in DC, to, um, I mean, I could, I'll, I'll stop because I can keep going. I got like a dozen more. But you get my point is that like if, if you haven't had and now I've settled here and even here, it's like, well, I go on the road and I get, you know, right. when we tour, I get that huge break from being here at the homestead. And I, I, I even without touring, so we haven't really figured out what that looks like coming out of COVID and timing with everything else. Who knows? Uh, travels changed who I am for sure from Jay Lee Porter. That Jay Lee Porter, he is the author of Crypto Shrug, to which I wrote. I forget what it, what they titled it, not the foreword, but the introduction. Oh. Something. Uh, I got to put some words at the beginning of their epic book. Um, it was fun. I'm I'm good with words. Better better with words than memory, probably. Right. Mikey Miller, Ohio loves Adam. I love you too. I love you too. Arbitrary box on the map drawn by government. Uh, yes. From Ohio. Yes. Um, it's like Tom Segura, uh, Midwest. Couldn't we just draw a big circle around this and write, do we even need this? Except the place where you're from. That place is great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, in terms of if, if you haven't had that, if, you, if you've had a, a relatively monotonous lifestyle, take a break, a real break and experience something else. So anyway, back to Nick and the story. Oh, you want to share one this? More, one more. Honda 4004. Here in Great Britain, we have many hamlets slash villages in the countryside where families have lived for lifetimes. Of course, farming is within the structure. So the generations of people have never gotten out of that area. And that phenomenon happens in inner city America, too. It really does. And you'll notice like unintentional inbreeding in these cities, just like people are legitimately deformed because they're sleeping with half sisters and half brothers. They don't even know are half sisters and half brothers. And Hopefully, y'all don't have that problem in Great Britain, but but no, that that generation. I didn't know their teeth got like that, right? That generation. <laughs> good point. Good point. Um, See, it's okay to be racist to the British because <laughs> they they're, they're white and imperialist, and you know. Uh, yeah, that that phenomenon happens here though too, just in the cities, not these villages. I'd have to imagine it's healthier in that village setting. Okay, the next important point from the article is about expectations. Back to Nick. She was anxious about these encounters, wired for fear and expecting the worst, but they always went well. She found that, contrary to what she'd been raised to believe, these strangers weren't dangerous or scary. They were actually sources of comfort and belonging. They expanded her world. Today, Nick has a name for these types of conversations. Greyhound therapy. The term literally refers to yes. talking with a seatmate on a long haul bus, but can apply to talking with strangers anywhere. At a restaurant, at a bus stop, in a grocery store. This form of connection changed her life. When times got hard, 
She found herself turning to strangers for comfort and to stave off the loneliness. And it worked, I asked. Oh, God, yes. I would go home with some amazing stories. Granted, nobody to share them with, but I still had the stories. They were mine. Nick's experience is telling. A hefty body of research has found that an overwhelmingly strong predictor of happiness and well-being is the quality of a person's social relationships. But most of those studies have looked at only close ties, family, friends, co-workers. In the past decade and a half, professors have begun to wonder if interacting with strangers could be good for us too, not as a replacement for close relationships, but as a complement to them. The results of that research have been striking. Again and again, studies have shown that talking with strangers can make us happier, more connected to our communities, mentally sharper, healthier, less lonely, and more trustful and optimistic. Yet, like Nick, many of us are wary of those interactions, especially after the coronavirus pandemic limited our social lives so severely. And this is something that, you know, I think we've talked about, again, just maybe barely adequately in the past, talking about how this is, uh, this whole mask and COVID experience as a whole is traumatizing a generation of children. And I was talking about this months ago, thinking like, or years, a year ago now, fuck at this point, a year ago, like a few months into this going, just giving children this traumatic experience that suddenly now you have to be afraid of every other human's breath. Uh, like that, that's a different kind of disconnection traumatizing. That's terrible. Um, George Harvey from on Twitch chimes in, says voluntary exchange of conversation is important for making the world feel a little closer. It's an important part of our duty as libertarians. And you're here to that. Yeah, and I, and I want to say so much right now. You, it's and you know the masks are making it hard to have. Have you noticed even when you want to have a conversation with somebody, like um, for instance, the lady at the Walmart the other day, she was complaining about some Karen she was dealing with. She was wearing that face shield. I couldn't understand a thing she was saying. Yeah. So it was hard. If that woman wanted to have a conversation, I would have gladly given her one back, but I didn't want to do the what 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 thing. So you just kind of smile and nod, and and the masks are taking that away from so not just the fear the physical restraint of not being able to hear somebody behind the yeah. plastic or see their lips moving behind the mask i didn't realize how much i read lips when i'm talking to people oh. until people started wearing these masks jim as a dude what does this fear in talking to strangers make you think of uh women being afraid they're gonna be mugged or robbed or raped no like for you as a dude what's your what's your fear, fear? i mean maybe, huh? i don't fear talking to people, you don't fear talking to people. <laughs> i i bet as a young single dude you often did in oh, fear, I fear of rejection to women and yeah. uh yeah and rejection yeah. okay i see where you're and going so, with that. yeah so but what i want to point out in this and and there's I'm a big advocate of people connecting online, you know, and and finding people to connect with who are who might be a better fit for them. But meeting people in person uh, is still critical for that. And for a lot of dudes who want to see women in person, like because fitness and having kids and 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 the energy that someone gives off, the vibe is is a more important selection factor than do they fit my profile online for a lot of people. And I think we've fallen back on this. And dudes is the initiators, 
you know, have to really step up here. And this is one of the ways that men are being neutered right now and society is being demasculized or emasculated. Emasculated? Demasculized. Yeah, whatever. Demasculate to Adam, whateverized. Yeah, um, bigly. Bigly, bigly neutered. Cutting the balls off. Uh, yeah, but it's it, it and it, it's a lot of it is this fear of interaction, fear of rejection, and and what we're getting at in in this whole fix your talk to get strangers game first, right? This is one of these like pickup artist ways that transcends even fear of rejection as a concept. If you see an attractive woman and you want to go talk to her, and you go, I have this goal in mind already of I'm going to ask her out. I'm trying to steer this conversation towards asking her out as opposed to here's a stranger who's attractive, who I want to connect with. Let me have a chat with her and see what's up. Right. And then if you guys connect, it's sort of very natural to say, well, hey, do you want to spend more time together? Right. And, right. and, and work that in without that being the point. And you're going to eliminate a lot of bullshit because when you don't do that, when you do this is this also puts you in the frame of you're screening women. You're, you're giving them a chance to audition with you. A lot of pickup artist guys that went through a phase of studying this stuff. A lot of pickup artist guys focus on that kind of reframing that you want to you want to you want to shit test women as much as you can in those situations and, and, and sort of see, you know, uh, put them put them on their toes right and and that's that that can be hostile and, and confrontational in another unnecessary way but if you just say but if, if, if you if you take that framing instead in the back of your mind and the front of your mind is i just want to connect with this person you're going to avoid a lot of date first awkward first dates with crazy people who are walking red flags when you don't go you're hot how can i convince you to go on a date with me you know because you're going to get some weirdos that way and then you're going to waste time on first dates with people who you don't really connect with if you just go i'm just casually talking to strangers find new person yeah that's me yeah without any yeah, expectations that's, very, that's really that's a very important point i think i think you make to reiterate that yeah definitely like your your whole purpose when you see the person and you go up with your intention to talk to them if your intention is i want to talk to this chick because i want her to go out with me you've defeated the purpose of human interaction you know what i mean you're you're now trying to manipulate that other person into getting what you want you know what i mean instead of having a genuine interaction I would say you're also weakening the human selection process as, and, and as men as the initiators, this is part of our job is to determine who gets to make the babies for the next generation. Right. I mean, putting it bluntly, and I don't want to be gender exclusionary here in any way. And everybody should be free to have whatever role they want. in this as an individual, but obviously this is a male role. Sperm yeah. Like, but this I is the women get to decide if they want to, well, women like, ultimately, women, women make that final decision of like who, who's making ba who am I, who's who am I going to let make a baby with me? Yeah. But but men have to still be the initiators of that. And when men fail to be the initiators, society loses a very important, vibrant dynamic of of creating healthy relationships, creating loving relationships with good two parent plus households, right, where you, children are supported and loved, and multi generational households and everything that's necessary 
to, to raise kids well. Because if it's, I just saw this woman at the supermarket, she was hot, and I tricked her into marrying me and having my kid, and you don't have the deeper connection, then your kids are, are you know, going to miss the opportunity. Or, you know, obviously, you guys see all the implications of this, right? I don't have to, I don't have to keep Right, right. Yeah. yeah. But, but yeah, I wish I had gotten this when I was a horny young dude, because man, like I, I brought so much you fear. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, yeah, right. I'm trying to get me some. Back up, old man. And, and I was, I was okay, <laughs> but I brought so much fear into talking to women as a single young dude. And I mean, obviously, my game has evolved at this point to something totally unique to my circumstance. <laughs> but uh, it's it. Now I'm like, I'm so much better. And if, if if I could give everybody this perspective and especially young dudes to see, I mean, did you realize we were going to have like a pickup artist Zen session, like backdoor and the are, are, are scam artist piece of the shit. So no, no, okay. So we're, we're, no, but we're connection experts. All right. So exactly. But we, we just covered the whole pickup artist game in a way that renders all of their work irrelevant. Learn how to talk to strangers and connect with people based on how you want to connect with people. And if you're a single dude, don't worry. That's going to come through. That'll be apparent when the time comes. If you're connecting with people all around you and you're a healthier, happier person, you're going to be drawn to women who you want to hook up with anyway. That's going to happen naturally. And and this 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 mentality does apply to meeting and, and hooking up with women online and having dates and those connections and just let me connect with you as a person first, you know, and then have that screening value. Anyway, back to I this. Say, back last to last this. point, last point really quick. I say it all the time whenever asked for relationship advice, things like that. Uh, the most important thing, in my opinion, is that you are happy with yourself and by yourself before you enter into a relationship with anybody else. So, and I would sure. even further say, if you have found that happiness within yourself, then I would like to suggest you probably don't have a problem going and talking to other humans without manipulating them and without trying to coax them into dating you and whatnot. You know what I mean? So. Absolutely. Well, even, even with that, I, I, the only thing I would, I would refine what you said is that it's not that simplistic of a metric and that I, I say like, it's not a failure of self-love for me where sometimes I lose the habit and I get inside my own, own head and I'm I'm putting a very high standard for myself. I would, and I, I hope this isn't being arrogant, uh, but I would say that you know, on a scale, like I want I want to point out one other person in my history who was a great example of this. Captain Mike Brown. He's the guy that convinced me to join the Marines in high school, and he was a former Marine, but he was a great dude. He was a loving dude. He was he was a Marine for good reasons. You know, he he was in the Gulf War. And, you know, still believed in the mythology of the righteousness of that. And then crazy thing is when I was in trouble at Camp Pendleton, I ran into him and he was a major crazy coincidence that we recognized each other like that. Um, but he just set this example of always being friendly. It was like it was it was I, to me, it struck me as corny, aggressive friendliness, like cheesy, like that, that only. You know, that rare, that one cheesy Marine in every unit is, is uniquely capable of, right? And it's like, you think only in the Marines, but no, there are people like that everywhere. And, and Mike Brown, Captain, then Major Mike Brown, was, was one of my great mentors in this. My parents weren't particularly good at it. I didn't have much example from them. It's an important way to be an example for your kids as well. 
to do that. And, 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 and I think it's a helpful thing for kids when you see them with parents who are weak in this regard, to have friendly, positive interactions with their parents. And, and how much, how good is that for their kids if they don't have that example from them? And with Mike Brown, it was a lot of, you know, corny dad jokes, you know, and with, with the boys at Native American prep school, um, he was the teasing, you know, father figure that a lot of us really uh, kind of needed and benefited from in that way. Not that my, I didn't have a great dad, but the one thing that I got from Mike was that, um, that warrior ethos, even though it was distorted by militarism, obviously, and that, that aggressive friendliness. But like, what's wrong with that? Aggr can we just start saying like aggressive friendliness? Is that, that's our hashtag. hashtag <laughs> aggressive friendliness. Like, no, but practice aggressive friendliness. Like that's that's what this boils down to. Uh, like, you wanna... see, you say aggressive friendliness, and I think somebody says hi, and you're like, hey, and kind of walk away, and they just keep fucking following you. Obviously, that, there's a limitation cool. of Don't politeness, stalk but it, but even that, most hey, how much better would the world be if more people erred on that side than the current side of fear that we tend to? So hold on, back to no. the story and the fear. Back to the story and the fear. But yeah, obviously, I don't literally mean. Like, Can I tell you an aggressive friendliness Actually, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. No, no, no. Okay. After it's covered in the article, because we're going to cover it. Okay, but these days, Nick is a successful nurse with an uncanny gift for connecting with her patients and is happily married to a kind and sociable man. She still loves, loves to travel, and on her trips, she'll size up her seatmate or someone sitting alone at a table or the bar. If they have headphones on or appear uninterested, she'll leave them alone. But if, she, if they seem receptive, she'll say, hi. I'm Nick and see where it goes. She's not reckless or naive and she knows how to read people and detect trouble, but the conversations tend to go well, reassuring her that there is goodness in the world and the possibility of belonging. She tells me that these experiences have taught her something invaluable. Never underestimate the power of even the most minute positive connection. In psychology, the sorts of exchanges Nick is talking about are known as minimal social interactions. The psychologist Jillian Sandstrom had a similar epiphany about them about a decade ago. She was raised in Canada by extroverts who loved talking with strangers, all of those Kanakistanis. One day, Sandstrom, who had always considered herself an introvert, realized she always looked down when she walked along the street. I thought, well, that's dumb, she said. So she started holding eye contact with people and found that it actually felt pretty good. Before long, she was talking with strangers, too. She was surprised at how easy and fun it was. Just a little bit of mindfulness, people. Just a little bit of not mindfulness. Hashtag practice aggressive friendliness. Once on the subway, she saw a woman holding a box of elaborately decorated cupcakes and asked about them. I don't know how the conversation got there, but she taught me that humans can ride ostriches. I was sold. That was just a delightful conversation. I wanted to do it again. Later, during a st stressful period in grad school, Sandstrom took solace in an even smaller routine interaction, waving and smiling at a woman running a hot dog cart whom she passed every day. I realized that when I saw her and when she acknowledged me, it made me feel good. It felt like, yeah, I belong here. And, I, I, and just waving, waving is the smallest example of this friendliness of interaction. And one of the things I love about the country community here in Juniper Wood Ranch in and out on the dirt road, every car you pass, I wave, 
And I, I do notice that I've forgotten once or twice here and there, uh, but I get waves back more than 90% of the time. Yeah. That's the culture. If they're not already waiting before you get to it, you know, yeah. like they're already on top of it. It's, it yeah. And, and, and here it's a specific cultural thing in a dirt road community where it's just friendly acknowledgement. I'm okay. You're okay. I see you, you know, and that, that's a beautiful example of this. Agreed. Right. Jim, do you know any others that are meaningful for you in your urban Phoenix life that you're living right now? Uh, I, I used to ride the city bus a lot and that's where I used to get a lot of my good interactions, but now uh, I'm doing door dashing. So I, I, I get some time with um, the restaurant employees. So I, I have conversations with them a lot of times, uh, depending, and, and it varies. It's not always political. Sometimes it's always just, you know, however, I, I, I almost always ask them how they're doing. And the conversation usually leans towards something about door dashing, because that's what I'm there for. And other dashers will be there. Or like if I have to wait 10 minutes, I swear, like in Facebook groups, other dashers will swear that they'll leave. They'll cancel the order. They'll say, I'm not waiting 10 minutes. That's my time. And I got to go get a different order and blah, blah, blah. And they, they'll just cancel the order and let a different driver pick it up, I guess. But I, I always end up telling the people, uh, the restaurant workers that I find that rude. I accepted this order. I agreed to deliver this person's food. I'm going to wait. I'm going to do the waiting, you know, and I'll, I'll take my chances as to whether or not the customer recognizes, you know, that I, that I waited extra time for them and they throw it in with a tip. They do do or they don't. I get what I get and I don't throw a fit. You know what I mean? And that's my life. So I don't know what else. Really, well, I think I even, even in those casual relationships, every chance you have when you go pick up food, you have a chance to have a relationship that sends a signal. You're not human. I don't want to connect with you. You're a function in my life. Give me the food. I'm out of here. Or yeah. you can choose to make it a meaningful human connection, yeah. even in that brief moment of, oh, it's ready. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and yeah. smile and wave as you pick up the food, even if it's just that. But, hey, you got to wait two minutes. You're going to be talking to people or you're going to be yeah. staring at your phone. Yeah. Yeah. Wh which do you want to do? Right. A lot of times, right. a lot of times, if there's a big group of people in the lobby or something waiting because the place is busy, stuff like that. I'm, I'm really good at, and I, I, I kind of pride myself on it. I don't know why, but uh, I don't know what just happened there either. Did he do that on purpose? Did you be pulled back up? I don't know what happened. It might have been. Oh, okay. My phone uh, says it's cooling down, so I'm a, I'm a little worried here. Oh, boy. Oh, I might lose connection. Einstein. Well, anyways, real quick, uh, I, I kind of pride myself on the ability to, when I'm in a group and there's like three or four people waiting in a lobby of a restaurant, and it's a long wait. Usually at least a couple of them will start bitching about how they hate waiting and blah, blah, blah. And I can yeah. usually find a unique way to defuse it, to, to, to help them be more compassionate about the workers. You know what I mean? Or, or something. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't give an example off the top of my head, but I, I use that as like an interaction to a chance to tell people, there he goes. He's toast. So I guess we're going to ramble for a few more minutes. Yeah. Mary Jane, if you want to unmute yourself on this, because we won't be able to hear you through Adam's voice anymore. Uh, but yeah, definitely to keep with the subject, human interaction is uh, vital to our existence, people. So we need to learn to talk with other people respectfully and uh, 
to interact with people. Like I always, you know, it's not, I don't find it cheesy that my mama taught me to use my pleases and thank yous. I find it respectful and it's the golden rule. How would you want, how do you want to be talked to? That's how I talk to other people, how I would like to be talked to. Whether or not yeah. they're going to talk to me like that has nothing to do with how I'm going to talk to them because that's who yeah. I am. You know what I'm saying? So it's a good way to be. And I don't know why parents have walked away from that. I, I, I'm, I'm not so much to the point that like, if I hold a door for somebody and they don't say thank you, like I just, you're welcome. You know, like I, I, right, I right. it's so foreign to me to not just have that, that general sense of, of communication with everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a stranger or not. Like we're, we're people. If we're, walking through a gas station or a grocery store, like we're all doing something together. You think about it. Because if right. we were all just going our own way, we'd be bumping into each other on the road or bumping into each other while on foot, right? So isn't communication all a part of that coexistence? And then if you yeah. take it out even further, you know, it's that communication is going to be important in your community and in your town and then in your, your, your county and your state and, and globally if you want to keep scaling it out. Mm-hmm. So here's a bigger question, Gia, Mary Jane, since Adam's not here to answer it. Do you think that it's more of just uh, the way the way the chips fell, or do you think there's any level of uh, intention by like the government to to you know to propagandize us into being afraid of each other and not wanting to talk with each other? Do you think that's just think, a, a normal thing of society to be afraid of each other, or do you think that's programming? programming? I, I'd what say a little bit of both, like. Were, uh, well, you had in the, had in the, had in the, had in the, whoa, there we are. Well, <laughs> you know, like in the eighties, you had the whole stranger danger thing, right? And parents were really scared. Like I had a password and like, we had a, a plan for if I got lost and like, there was this way over, like, you know, over, over stressing a fear. Um, so that was government forced quite clearly, right? But then like with the age of the internet, people start communicating better. I think then that was manipulated into, you know, the algorithms, the algorithms manipulated it into showing you the fear. So of course the government's gonna use it. So I think it's, it's both. I don't think it's something that just, that's how the cards fell in place or it was manipulated. Uh, some of the cards fell in place and then they were manipulated. That's well, what I think happened. Is our guest ready there, Jim? We have Jay backstage. Uh, the guy is backstage. Let's yes. go ahead and bring Jay up for a four by conversation here. Just bring him in. What's up, bro? Welcome to the show, Jay. Hey, y'all. Muted like yeah. a good backstage regular guest. No, on our show. I can hear him. He's still fine. muted. There he is. No. Okay. Still muted. Phone on my computer crapped out today. So Let's see. Bing says on YouTube, "Lol, you guys are talking about social engagement conversation. We haven't acknowledged the chat at all." Ironic as fuck. Haven't we been? No, there's some weird argument about get. There's a troll in the chat uh, pushing vaccines. So you know, there's a lot to bring. I up. can I can hear I can hear. Jay Jay for that. All right, so Jay's you know. your audio on. Uh, it, can you hear me now? No, it's like super quiet. Maybe take the headphones out. Try the way you were doing it before. It's quiet, but I can. Your hear your you. regular microphone's probably fine, but no, uh, you're coming in at like ten percent volume. How about now? No. I got to get close? Whisper. Really? I can hear you loud now. So we're hearing you as a whisper. Is your volume down, Adam? Is my <laughs> volume down? Oh, your guys are hearing him okay? Yeah, I hear him great. 
When he got oh, close no, to Jim that, is, I heard him really oh loud. Oh, my gosh. Now it's... Is it us? It's us. It's, uh, no, yeah, it's, it's me. Guys. It's Adam. Let's see. I hear you uh, fine, Jay. And when you got closer like that, I heard you real well. So you were now? a little quiet at first, but I heard you because I got headphones. No. Adam. Still can't hear you. What? Go with my shit. You guys can hear me okay, though. Yeah. Automatically yeah. adjust mic volume echo cancellation. Uh, this is interesting technicalities here on today's like a freaky Friday streamyard setting. Yeah, right. Something Thanks for coming to our mic test. volume is up all the way. Let's see. How about now? Can you hear us now? No. Why don't no. you mute you and we can turn it back? No, I'm gonna refresh. Is this is crazy. Yeah, yeah you're perfect. We were Jay. You're perfect. You don't change a thing. Let's uh, unmute J. Mary Jane here, or she has to unmute herself. He's reconnecting. So sorry for the technical issues. You know how it is. I hear oh, yeah. you five by five though. So technical issues all the time, everywhere. That's life these days. You know, and that's that's a problem with us old people is. These are all new technical issues. It's not like we're young kids in school that just deal with this all the time. We got to figure it out. It's not natural. Yeah. So, yeah well, no luckily I'm right on the cusp. I was like, I was, I was 15 years old when AOL dropped. So I was like right in my prime of learning right when the internet and AOL and social media and whatnot dropped. So I've been there since the beginning. So I'm pretty yeah. proud of all of it. I, I, I remember having dial-up internet. Are you kidding me? Okay, we're moving. I think How I about fixed now? it. Yeah. Can you hear, yeah. Can you hear right. me now? Yeah, sorry about that, Jay. I totally, you, you, totally you know, it wasn't, you, it wasn't my you, fault. It was my phone's fault. Yeah, you guys are sitting here talking about the outcasts all morning, and I'm going, why are they talking about me so much? <laughs> right, and, and then oh, we get on here, and, and now you're playing. You can't hear me. And yeah, it's like, come on now. What's happening? The world is a cold, scary place, Jay, where no one listens to you. Yeah, well, it seems that way at times, you know, and sometimes, especially your spouse. But that's a different story. <laughs> that's a completely different story. You know, my take More on what's time going talking on, to strangers, less time with the spouse. Well, there's something to be said for that, you know, and if you're someone like me who's gotten to the people where I'm a place where I'm pretty jaded about people in general, because uh, a lot of people I've known try to take advantage of you and stuff. I actually have more fun talking to strangers at a bar or something like that than I do somewhere else because because there's no there's nothing required that goes with it you aren't going to go home and have to call someone and or, or anything it's just a nice pleasant conversation and you can move on there's something about the purity of that human connection without expectation yep yep but that's Jay, exactly you, what i'm saying you have a uh i mean with your job you have a particular excuse me need for interacting with strangers right yes and many strangers that don't speak english very well so, and see, I, I, I don't really speak any other language. I could probably order a beer in Spanish or German, but, but that's about it. But what I've gotten really good at, especially from being in the Navy, is I, I can talk to the Taiwanese, the Chinese, Iraqis, anybody from anywhere, and I can pretty much understand what they're saying. 
You know, when I was in college, a lot of our uh, instructors or TAs were from other parts of the country. And all the young kids around me had such a hard time understanding them. And I just got it because I'd been exposed to it so much. And that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier is that keeping people sheltered with the stranger danger, you don't get these experiences, you don't learn, and you miss out on chances to communicate and understand over the long run. So you also wanted to talk about, the, you know, the ease of, uh, you know, personal installation of solar today. But I, I would hope you could connect it to the main subject and that, you, you know, as, as in sales, there's there's a certain I, I, I've always respected this about about people who are in any kind of sales professionally is that they're constantly in this mode of human connection. Sure. You know, and we have to say first, I'm an engineer. I'm not a salesman. So just talking to people in general, especially in crowds, it, it may not look like it, but it can be quite difficult for me. I kind of have to come from within and, and overcome some anxieties or whatever I have going on. So it does make it a little more difficult. But, but a, a great example is I got a phone call this morning, a gentleman from, uh, from San Diego whose name was something Hodge, you know, obviously from the Middle East. And, you know, we were able to work our way through a 15-minute phone call to start his do-it-yourself project himself. And, you know, a lot of time, what I find a lot of times, especially when, when I'm dealing with the Taiwanese over the wind turbines and stuff, they just don't understand America or how Americans think or vice versa. Americans don't understand the Chinese or the Taiwanese or the other Oriental people or whoever over there. Because, because they haven't experienced it. So I spend a lot of my time in, in the sales area basically bridging that gap. And a great example is I've got a potential product project to 70 wind turbines in the Bahamas at a new development. And they may go for 70 individual ones or they may go for a wind farm with bigger ones to, to power what's going on. But the Taiwanese sales manager just sent me this. He could have dealt with all of this. Okay, and he could have kept whatever profit's going to be there or anything, but instead he sent me the contact and he wanted me to deal with them because he knew that I would be able to get everything related, you know, put all this stuff together in a few short hours where for him it would be days across different time zones. So ju just the ease of HiVot having me here to facilitate stuff like that is, is a tremendous value to them and to be able to bridge that difference in cultures. Yeah, no, and I want to point out that it, it, from a, a sort of crass capitalistic make yourself more effective standpoint, being good at sales means understanding people. And, and I don't want to say everybody's a salesman, but everybody's selling something at some point sure. in their life. I mean, even if you're talking about selling you're married and you're in a long term relationship and you've got a job where, you know, you, does, you don't have to sell anything. Well. Even in the, the idea of keep the romance alive is kind of selling the relationship to each other and, and convincing each other to keep that positive relationship going. Maybe that's a little broad, inclusive definition or way of looking at sales. But when you, Jay, even have that practical, immediate, it's, it's, this is your bread and butter, having casual conversations with strangers all the time in between those points where you have to sell is skill building, right? Yep. 
Exactly. That's 100% correct. And, and what came to mind when you were saying that is when I'm out at a bar on a trip or something, having a beer or dinner, sitting next to someone, and we start talking, okay, you're selling yourself to them to get positive feedback so that you can feel good about yourself and, and vice versa. Well, th th that directly relates to what's going on. And, and the more you practice that kind of thing, you learn what sells yourself, what sells yourself well, what people want to hear, yeah. and, and it makes you more effective as a salesman. Yeah. And, and I mean, even just you think about being a better husband or being a better wife to your partner, going and chatting strangers at the bar every now and then actually makes you better, right? Having that variety of social experiences rather than falling into habits and missing cues and ignoring things as, as in intimate relationships and even friendships, family relationships, we fall into bad habits, taking things for granted often. And that variety of talking to strangers, social experience can snap you out of that. So, Jay, I don't know if you want to go somewhere else with this, but if you don't mind, I, I want to go back to the news story here uh, from The Atlantic because it talks about the fear and, and overcoming that fear and the negative expectations. So Sandstrom uh, decided to study this phenomenon. They did a study with a group of adults who were asked to chat with the barista when they got their morning coffee. Yeah, this is where I got the example earlier. They had the idea that by not engaging with counter workers, by essentially treating them as insensate service modules and not say actual humans, we may be denying ourselves the potential hidden source of belonging and happiness. As it turns out, they were right. The participants who talked with their barista reported feeling a stronger sense of community and an improved mood, as well as greater satisfaction with their overall coffee buying experience. I mean, imagine this, just a little bit of mindfulness Everybody in the world is that much happier. Just yeah. be mindful. But I, this is why I want to call it, you know, practice aggressive friendliness, you know, to really get people in this mindset of let's be, uh, let's aggressively, aggressive isn't necessarily bad. Let's compete to see how friendly we can be. Because you're afraid of non, you're afraid of it turning into something non-friendly. No, because when I hear aggressive friendliness, like I have experienced that and, and that's called stalking and it's a very real thing. And you have people that, you're just not vibing with them and you're trying to disconnect okay, from them. Well, okay, give me another, give me, okay, give me another word. Passionate. There's got to be something else. Passionate friendliness. Does it, something that really, you know, is a positive reminder and a mantra that encourages this. Jay? Shameless friendliness? No. You know, I, it, it's not, not even so much that you know I, I agree with what you said with the baristas when i go get my uh, pizza up at papa murphy's i'm standing right there as they're doing all the ingredients talking to them the whole way along and, and i know a lot of people don't do that but i know because i do that i completely know that i'm going to end up with a better product at the end and maybe i'll get a few extra sprinkles on it or you know they, they, they're going to be you know very generous with the sauce or whatever because of that you're humanized. You're more human than everybody else they deal with. make their day better, too. Like, being in the service industry for 12 years of love, like, those people who are friendly with you and maybe walk in with a smoothie when they bring you their car, like, those, you remember them. And, yeah, they get hella discounts, totally. Oh, uh, because they absolutely. make it better. So practice assertive friendliness. Assertive friendliness. There you yeah, go. Yeah, I want to I do something that makes it more even – like competitive like we should be 
competing to see who can have the most connections, who can live the best life, who can spread the most joy and happiness in the world. You know, I don't, maybe competitive is the wrong word, but enthusiastic, enthusiastic, practice enthusiastic friendliness. That's it. I like enthusiastic. friendly. So they did, they did this, um, they, they did this study asking people to talk to strangers on a subway uh, on their commutes. <laughs> on that could average, be dangerous. <laughs> no, no, stop being strangers. That. That guy's- people are good, Jay. <laughs> Don't be scared. All right. Why on average, a subway to the sidewalk? Like, I can't, they're not. On average, conversations lasted a whopping 14.2 minutes. And the talkers overwhelmingly liked the strangers they'd spoken with. People of all personality types had a good time. Now, skeptics are thinking, sure, talking with strangers might be enjoyable if you're the one who started the conversation. But is the other person enjoying it? After all, every one of us has at one time or another been trapped in an enclosed space by a talker who proved agonizingly impervious to social cues that you're not in the mood so to test whether both parties were enjoying these interactions, Epley and Schroeder created another experiment between tasks unrelated to the research at hand. Participants took breaks in a waiting room. Some of these subjects were told to talk with the other person in the room, and others were told not to talk. The people they were with were given no instructions. The ones who talked, both the people who started the conversation and the people they talked with, reported having a significantly better experience than those who did not. If talking with strangers is so pleasant and so good for us, why don't people do it more often? That's a big question informed by issues of race, class, and gender, culture, population density, and decades of sometimes valid stranger danger messaging. But the core answer seems to be twofold. We don't expect strangers to like us, and we don't expect to like them either. In a study by Epley and Schroeder, participants who were asked to talk with strangers during their commutes, worried that the strangers wouldn't enjoy the conversations. They predicted on average that less than half of the people they approached would talk with them. They, ex- they expected that starting the conversation would be hard, but people were interested in talking with them and not a single one was rejected. The story goes on that, to say that other studies have examined and verified this liking gap as consistent that shyest participants especially believe that they like the stranger more than the stranger like them. This misperception deters people from seeking out these interactions and in turn deprives them of not only short-term boosts of happiness and belonging, but also more lasting benefits such as meeting new friends, romantic partners, or business contacts. And this, this sounds to me like it's a downward spiral. Like when I fall out of the habit, it's not because I'm in such a good mood with everything in my life and now I'm all, all of a sudden stuck in my head. No, I get stuck in my head and I fall out of the habit. But my good habits bring me back to positive interactions. And I hate to say cheesy corporate customer service policies, but this is why Walmart has greeters at the doors. It's dumb. You look at it and you go, this is dumb. What is this? Why is Walmart doing this? They sell more shit. They sell more shit. When they have an old dude at the door going, "Hi, welcome to Walmart." Welcome to Costco. You, though, I love you. <laughs> that, 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 that bugs me when I'm walking in and they're like, "Hey, how's your day?" You know, I'll let you know if I want to at that point because I usually got something 
going on my mind that, that, that I got to get in there and get. But, you know, this like traveling in the subway or on an airplane, I find that that's a great place to learn from other people. Like it, it, when I would bring my kids to Washington, D.C., I brought them both singly. You know, we get a hotel, we take the subway downtown, and I talk to the people on the subway who ride it every day because they can clue you in, well, this is a good restaurant, or you might want to stay away from that one, or, you know, you've really got to go see this museum or that kind of thing. So well, Jay, can... I'm going to use that argument to push back on your anti-Walmart greeter argument because I love that even at a Walmart, hey, which side of the store is your ATM? That's the only question I really ever ask them. I know how Walmarts are laid out, but that's always where's your ATM? Where's your bathroom? Some bathrooms usually in the middle. You walk towards the middle. The ATM. But hey, for a lot of people who aren't familiar with Walmart, hey, where's men's clothing? I just shit my pants and I'm in a hurry. <laughs> you know, like, hey, uh, where's your where? I need a drink. Where's where's your grocery section? Or I need I need this for my family. Like, right? I need farm. I need pills for my kid in the car who's uncomfortable. That Walmart greeter saves time, energy, makes the shopping experience more uh, more effective, efficient. But it's also by human connection, Walmart doesn't put little greeter AI robots at the front of their stores. Walmart, that's so gross. I'm making the point of human connection. Yeah, okay. So it's even relevant positively there. Store, this happened to me. I know it's happened to you. You walk in at, at it happened to be at a smoothie place last time, and not one person behind the counter acknowledges that you're there. There's nobody else in the store, but they're quiet. You quietly walk up to the counter and wait for them and maybe they're cleaning they don't even turn around and acknowledge you that doesn't make me feel good that makes me want to just walk out like hi i'll be right with you or or something if i don't yeah. get that human interaction i'm not gonna i'm not gonna feel comfortable in that place i'm not gonna want to go back so yeah well and, and that, that just happened to me on my latest trip i went to a bar for dinner I sat down, and for 15 minutes, a guy came and got a beer beside me, put his beer up, and the waitress was running everywhere. But not once did she look at me and say, hey, I got you, or I'll be back, or anything. And I finally just got up and left. You know, it's like, well, it seems like they don't want me here. Well, I would, challenge, I would challenge both of you in those moments to look deep within yourself and use your own human interaction to ask them, man, you must be having a tough day. You must have a lot going on. I haven't gotten any, oh. you know, greeting from you. I just, I hope, is there anything I can do to maybe help or do you need to, you know, do you, is there anybody you can call for help or, you know, well, even then, the signal, are you okay? The signal in that situation <laughs> is I'm at, I'm at my bandwidth and I don't have the bandwidth to acknowledge you. I'm having a stressful day. It's not worth serving you. So yeah, it may be either, Prepare to be patient or go somewhere else. Yeah, I'm always patient, but uh, I don't know if, I mean, yeah, then they'll come up, can't take your order. Like, they just don't want to be there. And Well, like, you, yeah, in your example, I'm just thinking, I can think of a time when I've been, it was, I don't think it was a smoothie shop, but it was somewhere with a quick item like that, and nobody was saying anything, and I walked in, and I was at the counter waiting to look for a few minutes, and there was somebody doing something and I was like, hey, how's it going like that? And, oh, I didn't see you. So, oh, yeah, I can tell you guys are busy, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it was a genuine, honest mistake. She wasn't like an antisocial person. She literally yeah. was busy, you know, or literally had something yeah. else on her mind. You know, and, give, and, give them the benefit I, I, of the doubt. No, I understand that. But it, it just the vibe I was getting was it just wasn't the place to be. But onto that, you know, yeah. I got on an airplane once. And it was flying from Atlanta to Fort Myers, and there were a total of five of us on this airplane. 
but they had to fly the airplane, so they had it there the next morning. And I was, you know, me, I, I, I was sitting way in back because I, I don't pay for seats or whatever. And the stewardess is sitting there, and I just looked at her, and, and I said, man, you look tired. And she's like, oh. And she just kind of went, oh. You could just see it come out. It's a gift of validation and appreciation of their humanity with those moments of simple empathy. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, both of you, both of you are right in that you need to acknowledge and be strong enough to leave when the vibe doesn't feel right to you personally. If you feel like you need to just exit the situation, then then that's probably the best situation to do. Yeah, that's what I figured to do. I hope they feel better, but I'll go somewhere else, you know? Yeah, exactly. Now, the stewardess, because I did that, we talked for a few minutes, and then she said, well, you know, I got to go. I got to deal with taking off and stuff. And she came back before we started taxiing, and she said, come here, come on. She walked me up to first class and said, here, go ahead and sit here. And I looked at her and said, well, I wasn't, I said, I wasn't planning on drinking, but I guess I have to now. (laughs) Yes, yes. So so yes. so just just my recognizing the state she was in, look at the reward I got. Yes. Yeah. Be generous, be loving, be connecting with people. Practice enthusiastic friendliness. Enthusiastic. So back to the story, I want cuz I do want to finish this point about the fear because in all these studies they asked the people uh, what the effect of talking with a stranger would be uh, like on their commute or their experience. And the prediction was always that it would be worse as a result. That prediction is telling why did it come as such a surprise that a stranger could be approachable, cordial, and interesting. Ah, less chat, chat. This chat has less crazies. This Twitch. Thank you, Corey, man, 003 on Twitch. Okay, so. A little rowdy in the YouTube comments. Yeah, yeah, as usual. Yeah, maybe Twitch is a more dignified conversation. Telegram's even better. Uh, But yeah. Part of the inspiration behind the subway experiments was the idea that if it's fundamentally dehumanizing to be surrounded by people and then never interact and engage with them. I agree Not with yet. that. Sorry. It's fun. 100%. And this is, this is really, this is just such a, a where you see value potential not being met for human connection and love and happiness. You can puncture that. Like for me, wearing a free hugs t-shirt now is kind of more a protest than a practical thing um, at airports at least. And when I, like when I went to Friday Harbor, not, you know, I'm, I got Karen out on about the masks on the airplane, but then I go to the grocery store, free hugs t-shirt and I get a hug right away. You know, Adam's answer, the free hugs. Shirt. It popped up like five minutes. <laughs> and then now you mention it. So yeah, totally. Respect. totally. She, she knows you. All right. Oh, yeah. So I want want to read this again. It's fundamentally dehumanizing to be surrounded by people and then never interact and engage with them. Also, think about what that means right now for masks and distancing and for children. It's dehumanizing to me because I lose an opportunity to be a social being, which is my nature. And it's dehumanizing to the stranger because I never experience more than a superficial glimpse of their full humanity. In cities especially, people tend to treat strangers as obstacles. So we don't talk with them because we don't talk with them. Uh, Sorry, so we don't talk with them. Because we don't talk with them, it never fully occurs to us that they are, in fact, really people. This is the lesser minds problem, so done by Epley and the psychologist, blah, blah. The, The theory is because we can't see what's happening in other people's heads, we have what appears to be a universal tendency to assume 
that others' minds are less sophisticated and more superficial than one's own. That's from Epley's book, Mindwise, How We Understand What Others Think, Believe, Feel, and Want. Perhaps this is why we expect interactions with strangers to go poorly, because we subconsciously believe they just don't have much to offer. But Sansom had a different explanation of why we don't talk to strangers. She believed people just don't know how to do it. So she set out to teach them. If I do another tour, this is what I, I want to do. It's the talking to strangers tour. I love that. Make it all like, no, it's just, let's be good at talking to strangers. Just stand there with someone, let's talk. No, 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 no. Like, at, yeah. like in, a, in a room, people I'm come and I give a lecture and introduce the subject and we have interactive exercises and people talk to each other. It's just talking to strangers workshop. Empower them to talk to strangers. Talk, talk to strangers. Talking talk with to... strangers. With strangers, not Yes, thank strangers. you. Talking not with strangers. Too. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Yeah. Good point, good point. Uh, well, this, the, the now defunct London group called Talk To Me, Stansfrom did, ran a series of events that aimed to show people how enjoyable talking with strangers could be and to learn more about why people are so hesitant to do it. She has since developed some techniques to help allay these fears. For instance, she tells people to follow their curiosity, notice something, compliment the person or ask them a question. So yeah, if you need cheat, if you need a cheat sheet, that's it right there. Write this down on your hand or on a little card in your wallet before you leave the house. Notice something. Notice something. Hey, you look tired. Yep. Hey, you look happy. Hey, you look ready to go out. Just, hey, I noticed this about you. It sounds dumb out of context, but in reality, it's very casual, very natural, very effective. Hey, nice hat, Jay. So notice something. That's it. Compliment a person. Compliment a person, even in next level. Hey, I like your glasses, Joey. Those are cool. Hey, whoa, that's it, right? Even to strangers in passing. I like doing this to strangers nice that shirt. I especially notice are sad. But you're right. Why Why just the sad ones? Why, why not everybody? Oftentimes when people wear something flashy or distinctive, it's because they're looking like when I wear a free hugs t-shirt, I'm sending a signal that like, hey, I'm in a good mood. I want to connect with people. Someone who wears a dorky, colorful hat. Maybe they're a pickup artist trying to use a piece of flair to get attention. No, it's not always that, right? But even that, why is that? It's it's an opportunity. People wear things that are signals that are opportunities to connect with people. You see a, a band t-shirt or a brand that you recognize and like? Yeah. Hey, I like that stuff. Hey, I like their music. I'll go talk to that person. Just, we might have something in common. It's gonna occur to you anyway. Make the effort to vocalize it. Ask them a question. There's power in speech. Ask them a question. You, you know, know, and it doesn't just have to be about them. You know, people trick out vehicles all the time. People buy old, old boats. You know, people have monster trucks. There's all kinds of different things people do. And, and if you give them a little bit of a compliment, like, hey, man, I really like your wheels on that thing, then, then how good are they going to feel and how's the conversation going to go? Do you know how many times I heard nice van on the road, which, in fact, is why I bought it. And I used to buy it. I used to drive an old Monte Carlo SS. That's why I got like, I love that when people are like, hey, petite little hey, girl, nice, awesome car. Like that just makes me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally emotive. So again, write this down. Notice something. Compliment a person. Ask them a question. Three words. Notice. Compliment. Ask. That's it. Just notice. Compliment. Ask. Like, if, if, if you really don't have the skills 
to naturally engage with people, notice compliments asked. Notice compliments asked. Notice compliments asked. Take those three words and apply them to your marriage or a relationship and see how much better it gets. No shit. Just make just in all those moments of silence. Any awkward, any awkward silence in any situation, any relationship. And if you can make it funny, even better. But if not, just break the silence with human connection. It's really, it's usually really easy to turn that into humor, I find. But that's another skill. That's another, you know, when, when you have that and you can share what is funny to you, just noticing something is, you know, is, is, is can be really powerful, especially telling dumb anti-government dad jokes because government is doing dumb shit all over the place that you can notice you know like it's really easy to notice hey isn't this silly isn't this dumb and and connect with people over that uh what's what uh sandstrom said was once people get over the initial hump uh they find it comes quite naturally and you can't shut them up so just giving yourself i think this extra mindfulness is a gift so as she said she's run into more a, a more insidious obstacle in her pursuit of lasting change, a social norm against talking with strangers, the belief that this is simply not done. During a pandemic, <gasps> in her experiments, participants would unfailingly have positive experiences, but when you ask people about the next conversation, they're really worried again. So she tried to engineer a situation in which talking with strangers through sheer repetition would become natural enough to people that they would simply begin to do it out of habit, free, of all the usual fears, the trick she believed was to get people to have a lot of conversations. Using an app called Goose Chase, Sansom created a scavenger hunt with a list of types of people with whom to strike up conversations. People who are smiley, people who looked artsy, people trying to carry a lot of things, people who looked sad, people who seemed nice or fashionable, or who were tattooed or wearing a striking tie. The results, again, were undeniable. This makes me want to just make an app called Practice Enthusiastic Friendliness and you know a gamify gamify friendliness have dumb little prompts hey you know next time you see someone who's who looks artsy you know ask them come up with something that you notice about them like that connects to that right someone carrying a lot of things you know being helpful oftentimes noticing stuff is just relief of simple stuff like hey that looks heavy yeah do you mind helping me I mean, just real, like simple, stupid stuff that makes life better for everybody, that makes the world a friendlier place all the time. So the results, again, were undeniable. Participants found it was much easier to start and maintain a conversation with a stranger, and it lasted three times longer than they predicted. 80% said they learned something new. 41% exchanged contact information. Some made friends, went on dates, got coffee, and true to prediction, their pessimism about the prospect of talking with strangers was eased. A week after completing the scavenger hunt, participants were more confident of their conversational abilities and less afraid of rejection. And the way they thought about other people changed as well. As one student wrote in their survey response, strangers are generally friendly and helpful. So, uh, Jay, I want to turn this back to you because this is that skill building thing and something that I've noticed in uh, people who are good at sales. They have a layer of, of, you know, you know, I want to talk about physical fitness, you know, maintaining your health and your body by keeping your engine rev, keeping your mental engine rev, your social engine rev makes you much better 
at every other human relationship across the board. Have you experienced that? I mean, just talking solar products? Well, I, yes. I mean, I, I obviously do a better job when I'm feeling good. I'm not feeling sick or, you know, if, if you're depressed, you aren't going to have the same enthusiasm or energy. So, so it absolutely goes along with that, that you have to be able to develop that as well as the thick skin, you know, because you, you, you never know what somebody's going to throw out there as a reason why they can't do something. And you just have to be able to deal with it and take it and understand that whatever they're saying is not a personal shot at you, you know, and, and that happens quite a bit is, is I think people take stuff too personally. And I learned a long time ago, especially in the wind turbine business, you can't take any of this personally or you'll just go nuts. You'll never have a sale, and, and, and that's the way it's going to be. That's a good life lesson. Yeah. So last paragraph in the story here. As I read through the other responses from Sandstrom's study, I kept coming upon what seemed like a subtle undertone of relief, which I recognized, having wondered myself, why do I feel a sense of relief? after a pleasant exchange with a stranger. When I asked Sandstrom about this, she said something that took me back to the story of Nick, her fearful childhood and her experience with Greyhound therapy. I think that relief might just be the feeling that we're sold this message that the world is a scary place. And then you have a chat with someone, some random person who goes well and it's sort of like, Maybe the world isn't so bad after all. The world is yeah. beautiful. It's the governments that are nasty and horrible. Yeah, you know what? And I found that out traveling. When I was in the Navy and got to Pakistan, the Philippines, Australia, Singapore, Italy, France, Germany. You know, I, so I've been around enough to see um, different peoples in different cultures and what I always wanted to do is get out of the like main hub bar area. I wanted to go meet and talk to the real people. You know, take a train to an out of the way uh, town, go to a bar there where you meet real people. And, and then you do find out exactly what you're saying is people are people all over the world. And they are generally good and they mean well. And, and they're more than happy to strike up a good conversation and learn from you as much as you're learning from them. Yeah, I want to address this kindness is weakness thing. That might be opening up a whole other can of worms in terms of deeper, more involved relationships and being taken advantage of that is sort of beyond the scope of this conversation. But within the scope of this conversation, connection is strength. Helping people, having meaningful relationships and positive exchanges of mutual beneficial value is strength. You want to, your perception of kindness and weakness, who cares? You know, in this context, it doesn't matter. You know, you if, you if your game is that bad that you, you're portraying weakness, you're probably doing something else wrong. If you're talking with strangers and they go, oh, you're weak? No, you, you might have something else. But again, this is one of those false perception problems. In a room full of people not talking, who's the strong one? The one that comes up to me and approaches me. The one who has the guts to talk to me. It's really the ultimate projection of strength and confidence to approach a stranger. You know, and that's really interesting because here's a question for you. Where is a place that you are going to be forced into dealing with strangers in a confined area? Yeah, no Jail. doubt. Jail. 
right? When you end up in jail, right? And and when I went there for my buried chunk of concrete, my big crime, um, I I ended up in a cell with 16 other people. And I got there late Friday and everybody was sleeping and I had a bit of an unsettling night. But the next day I made a point to go talk to everyone. And the first thing I did was ask each of them, what are you here for? And I let them tell their story. Then, Then they'd ask me, which... I had one guy, one big black guy with just one tooth from the meth on top. I had to explain it to him three times. Hold on, hold on, Jay. I got to interject with a little cautious jail advice. You don't walk up to everybody and say, hey, what are you in for? You you do have to have an icebreaker of casual conversation first. You at least want to test the waters, make sure they're not fucking crazy because that we fuck up mental health and lock up crazy people. Um, that they're not just having a really shitty day and totally in their head and they don't want to talk to you or they're in for something embarrassing that they don't want to talk about. Um, and, and, and there is a little sensitivity to that. So it's not, Jay's not, Jay did that, right? Don't, just don't want to leave out step number one before you jump to step number two. Right. But you got to remember where I was. I, I wasn't in any, any heavy duty jail and it turned out, you know, DWI is getting caught with pot and a few other things or meth. You know, that, that's what the people I was in with. So, you know, it, it was nobody dangerous by any stretch. But it was really interesting because after the first day, you know, I went to bed that night's sleep and I felt completely comfortable and safe, you know, compared to the night before. Why? Because I went around, I talked to everybody, kind of made friends with everybody. Yes. So, yes. so I knew who they were. They knew you who are I was. safer. Yeah, it's not just—it's not just a feeling of safety. You are, you are. safer yeah. in a room full of people who have acknowledged your humanity. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know what? I—it kind of brought our cell together as a little community, because we, we all kind of—hey, we're stuck in here till at least Monday or do so. We all got along and had a great time, you know. And yeah. everybody did. And everybody there is a stranger, right? So what do you do? You make the best of it. You ask questions. Like Adam said, don't don't get in anybody's face and be rude about it. You know, you got to read people. And basically, you can tell the people that want to talk. And then once they see you talking with others, then the other people are going to be more relaxed and more receptive to you talking with them, too. Yes. Yes. I can't think of a better note to end on and a wonderful, uplifting story. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jay. Any, any last thoughts from you or a, a, anything you need to plug uh, that's new with GoGreenEnergyOnline.com? Uh, nothing so much new. I just want people to know when you need your own custom design system, give me a call and we'll put one together just like I am for this gentleman in San Diego. And you know what he's got? He's got a uh, supply warehouse about an hour from him so he can even go pick up the parts himself and save on shipping. So yeah, yeah, my suppliers nationwide. So, you know, let's get going, people. Now's the time. The price of solar is going up. I put a video out about that two weeks ago, and my supplier told me that yesterday. And he said, I'm so glad you put that video out because now I don't have to explain it to you. So there you go, folks. Get it all now before it's gone. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jay, and your contribution to what so far has just, I think, been a really epic, valuable conversation. This has been so much fun for me. I uh, love the look top right, man. Uh, Corey, man. Well, hey, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I had a buzz cut like eight months ago, and then I decided I want to look like Jim. It takes a while, okay? Um, but uh, Jim, Joey, uh, if you could quickly, you know, put your, your final thoughts on this conversation, because I want to do skim. I do want to skim our, our Good News Friday headlines for today's show. 
This is yeah. the only good news in the world. We want to we want to look out. It's been a fun sort of navel gazing uh, exercise, but I this is I hope for some people really a life changing practical podcast today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved it, and uh, I'll go first because I'm the easiest. I have nothing to add. I don't want to beat this horse to death. I think we covered it very thoroughly. If anything, if you need to after the show goes ends, go back and rewatch it. Yeah. We said everything that needs said. I think we said it and said it beautifully among the four of us. So, Joy? Totally. I just say, don't forget that, you know, your point to the, the introvert and extroverts kind of like bunk because you, you, everybody feels different at different times. It's important to have a balance. So while it is important to communicate with other people, don't feel guilty and get down on yourself if you're just not having a talkative day. Yeah. And, yeah. and don't put forth the effort if it's not genuine. Like, don't force it. Yeah. Like, that's because that's just. But be aware of it. This, aware. this is the thing is that we're promoting a mindfulness of, of your relationships with strangers and talking with strangers. And and even there on the flip side of that, Joey, yes, of course, um, to everything you said. But if you're ready for it, do it. And you have a good habit in it, this can pull you out of that. Exactly. And the, the article, I, I got to give uh, Joe Keohane, I hope I'm saying that right, with the Atlantic props again for giving us the article that was the, the basis for this conversation on at theatlantic.com, the surprising benefits of talking to strangers. You can find the link to that, of course, in our show notes at t.me slash Adam versus the man. Everybody get on Telegram, please. It is essential to uh, also, even in the spirit of this talking with strangers conversation, in, enhancing the quality of human relationships, getting rid of the emotional pollution of the human conversation of Facebook in particular, but even Twitter and other mainstream social media. And when you do, you will see, I mean, give yourself the the ultimate gift. This is really the ultimate gift by engaging in this mindfulness. You get to see that as this article concludes, maybe the world isn't so bad after all. The whole world gets better. It, the whole world gets brighter. When you see it for what it is, you see humanity for it for what it is, and you are more connected because you are not uh, a, a phenomena as a human being that can exist in isolation. You are a product of the world, of nature, of the universe, all of it. You must exist in harmony with it to live well and to thrive as a human being. Whoop-de-doo, share some weed with a stranger. All right, with that, to the rest of our headlines, goodnewsnetwork.org. Psychedelics Company gets green light for PTSD therapy study using MDMA in Canada. Yeah, Canada, now at the cutting edge. Mental health care company in Canada has been given federal approval to conduct a safety and feasibility study evaluating MDMA-assisted therapy for post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm very excited about this. Um, I, From what I've read in the past, uh, you know, and, and what I've helped with, with MAPS, the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, uh, this is way overdue. Fucking Canadians, totally. uh, you know, to say you care about veterans, but, you know, you, you, you've never, uh, you know, done, done anything to promote uh, access to these therapies. Uh, go Canada. Uh, I thought it was blame Canada. Uh, blame, blame Canada. Blame Canada. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Goodnewsnetwork.org. This simple 10 question word test reveals how creative you are. Creativity is harder to find, even more difficult to measure, but a new four-minute test is creating an easy and elegant way to at least measure one of the most common characteristics of this very human trait. The test is simple and consists of one question with 10 answers. 
Can you think of two words that have nothing in common? What about five? What about ten? Now, in order for this to work, they measure the semantic difference between the ten submitted words. A deep learning algorithm can score one of the most detectable aspects of creativity, the ability to mentally bridge the conceptual gap between things called divergent thinking. Also, great news in human optimization from the Daily Mail, men who ejaculate at least 21 times a month slash their risk of prostate cancer by a third. Harvard study says, I got to come because science. A Harvard study finds that men who ejaculate 20 times a month were one third less likely to develop prostate cancer than men who ejaculated only four to seven times per month. And I wonder if this this is like the no fat movement you know, and I understand there's a lot of value to uh, being conscious, deliberate, and moderating your sexual urges, but suppressing the natural male biological need for orgasm, you go, oh, even just down to four to seven times per month, which is sort of a lot more typical, a sort of average, average married middle-aged American dude, right? So uh, you see my point. It's not even the guys who are like, not getting any and not jerking off at all, but it it does stand to the point of like the, a healthy masturbation habit for men, and that it, that of course everybody's got to do the research for themselves, decide what's good for you, what feels good for you, right? For some, for some, I I actually suggest every man experiment to some degree with withholding ejaculation or orgasm for extended periods and see what that does for you to know your body better, to know your mind better. But uh, obviously, the healthy end of it is more more ejaculations than I had a I had a friend doing this. All balances out. <laughs> don't do too not fat too much. <laughs> don't. That's very Shakespearean. Uh, no, I had a friend doing this. Too fat or not too fat? And I was like, that's crazy. Like it's like scientifically, I feel like this this needs to get out, right? And then he reported to me at one point that he got in the shower and couldn't help but ejaculate. And because I guess it had been so long that just the sensation of the water I, was enough. Yeah. And and I, I think he's still going with it. And I don't understand why it sounds painful. And now this is saying it's clearly unhealthy. Well, so I've I've gone through periods, and this is weird and embarrassing. I haven't processed enough to talk it out with specifics but i i do recall i have gone through periods of my life where it's just like stress or whatever and it's led me as an adult to have wet dreams hmm. and it's i think my body's just like no dude you're not holding on to this your subconscious brain is going to be turned on by something tonight <laughs> and if it's backed up like this shit's coming out and i think that's like that's a good healthy release mechanism at some point don't forget body's right? in control uh, Ray Ancap studies show that Novat works for two weeks, then your T levels return normal. Oh, that's one of the things. It, it, it works. One of the is that it, your testosterone goes up supposedly, but then returns. No, so it's not a healthy long term testosterone. But no, there were other other like reasons break, right? for people to yeah. go into it, and I think it's it's one of those things that it's it's safe and healthy to play with, not your penis, your orgasm rate, and. To, to vary and and see what feels good and what you know what's effective for you but uh, the, the the caution here is porn addiction or even orgasm addiction um and is it is it really is it is you say well i have a food addiction i eat food every day well i have an orgasm addiction i orgasm every day that's not what i'm talking about but when you get into a habit where it feels compelling or you're watching porn for extended periods of time and it's a detraction from your life as opposed to a healthy habit could be i jerk off in the shower twice a day no way you're showering twice a day. But uh, 
that you know like in your you know it's quick and it just feels good and your body is refreshed after that yeah sure um or however better with healthy sex obviously where you're connecting with someone you're getting all the other benefits of the real thing did they study uh, women but, yeah. in this is this totally just like a male study this was because this was uh, looking at ejaculation of prostate cancer women don't have prostates so but did they study the effect of women ejaculating more times versus not with this study dear. not sometimes study, you have to look period. at yeah no but i'm sure there's 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 a similar balance period. for women of course obviously <laughs> And when there's some fun, you know, story in the news about that, you know, we cover the women's stories, I think, fairly. It'd be interesting to go back because it's not, I hope it's, is it by my bias or by what's fed to me as a bias? Do I cover more science stories about men's health and women's health? No, I was just curious. Is this, mm. you know, I'm curious now and I want to research for the rest of the day. I want to know if anybody's even done the study because I just feel like maybe they haven't. Hmm. My guess is no one has looked into that for women. So I, I think that when they look at prostate cancer, that's like one marker. We're talking about the, the, the sort of health of orgasm and masturbation more largely. Excuse me. And even with, with uh, prostate cancer, there have been conflicting studies. 2004 Harvard study found no links. Australian 2003 study said more ovula, uh, men who ejaculated often in young adulthood who grow up to have a decreased risk of cancer. 2008 study actually found that rates of prostate cancer increased with frequent masturbation so if you go if you go too much there there's an over revving of the machine and i think you're going to run into psychological problems before you're like oh my god i gave myself ball cancer because i jerked off too much uh fcc is coming for this video <laughs> thank you uh yeah yeah this is a more misleading medical advice courtesy of adam versus the man think for yourself make your own decisions don't trust the authorities oh that's definitely misleading because you should totally trust the authorities goodnewsnetwork.org uh fun story about what law enforcement or road safety officials could be instead of issuing tickets for broken headlights Denver police are handing out gift cards to get them fixed nice. if but there actually were incentives for law enforcement agencies to be providing for the public safety this is what they would be doing I noticed the advanced auto parts logo there. So, of course, now I'm... The way it happens today, as some corporate tie-in, I'm not saying that this in and of itself is good news. I'm saying that this... This, this is... Well, this is good news. It's a huge step Absolutely forward, is. and it shows the potential. So, And it's because advanced auto parts gave the Denver police on our gift cards, and they agreed to take them and give them. So that is, that is huge. I mean, in terms of compassion... And and I don't I, I want people to recognize the evil of the police state, but I also want it to lessen. I don't want there to be like some dramatic breaking point and collapse and social upheaval. I'm a localist politically, and that extends to how I see the law enforcement transition from serving centralized authority to serving communities. And this is a huge step towards police serving individuals, serving communities instead of being revenue generators and punishing people because a lot of the people who are in that position can't afford to get little shit fixed and then yeah. you get a ticket on top of that or two and jim brings yeah. up on twitch that's if you have their permission right to someone like me or you can afford get it over that yeah yeah. yeah yeah no but again again not the be all end all major step in the right direction speaking of just another cool big step in the right direction from bloomberg at yahoo.com south park creators signed massive new nine 
$1,500 million deal with Viacom, CBS. And for being irreverent, libertarian, leaning content creators that make me laugh and stimulate thought in millions and millions and millions, if not billions of people all over the world. Congratulations to South Park. Did I think this is a positive evolution in mainstream media. hear about that? So they bought Casa Bonita. Remember Casa Bonita? Oh, no way. That's so cool. There's an actual place, place and they bought it now. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be cool. I'm not just a fan of South Park. I am fans of Matt, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. Totally. Yeah. I should probably be more so, but generally I'm, I'm even with them profiting off corporatism and people saying potentially that they've sold out, but like, fuck you, uh, of all the people benefiting, I'm, I'm, I'm cheering them on. Absolutely. $900 million. Great. Um, I, I would, of course, I would love them to become sort of more activists outside their media. If they're going to get $900 million, of course, it's going to be over time. It's not like, Hey, they just get handed $450 million checks all of a sudden. Um, I'd like to see them, and, and maybe this get, maybe they're like, well, fuck, it couldn't get any better than this. Now we have nothing holding us back from being activists outside of media as well. Or will they be held back by CBS? I mean, I guess that remains to be seen. Let's see. Goodnewsnetwork.org, the first amateur astronomer to ever discover a new moon, and it's orbiting Jupiter. Yeah. One might think that since we can take detailed images of galaxies millions of light years away, there's not there's no way something as significant as a moon could exist within our solar system without our knowledge. But not only are there moons we don't know of yet, but they are being found by amateur astronomers. Yeah, pretty cool. It's the equivalent of putting the 80th star on a flag of Jupiter. Hobbyist Kai Lai officially submitted evidence of an 80th moon of Jupiter, a hitherto unlocated heavenly body of redwood. Currently awaiting a common aim, the moon is believed to be a piece of a very large comet absorbed by Jupiter's gargantuan gravitational field rather than a shard of the planet itself. Cool stuff. Three erupting Alaska volcanoes, spitting lava or ash clouds. No one is in harm's way. Cool to watch nature. It's in the show notes if you want. Goodnewsnetwork.org promised researchers find real-life SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh my God, I can't wait. Star. Yep, this is it. Is this, this is what you're waiting for. Look at this. It's, it's a square oh, yellow sea sponge next to an orange sea star <laughs> in reality. So yeah. The story goes, oh, who lives in a pineapple under the sea around the retriever sea mount 200 miles off the New England coast in the Atlantic Ocean? Well, according to one marine biologist, it's SpongeBob SquarePants and his mate Patrick Starr, the yellow and pink duo from the iconic children's cartoon were spotted next to each other by a National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration remote-controlled submersible <laughs> launched from the Okeanos Explorer just as they share the same block in their fictional home of Bikini Bottom. I am going to make this my desktop background. This is, I love this picture. All right, couple quick ones. Climate crisis, scientists spot warning signs of Gulf Stream collapse. Not necessarily good news, climate upheaval, but being understood by humans like never before. A shutdown would have devastating global impacts and must not be allowed to happen, researchers say. From goodnewsnetwork.org, finally, scientists studying crows get big surprise. They're so smart, they understand the concept of zero. How did they prove that? The crows were shown two sets of dots on a screen taught to indicate if the two screen screens have the same values. There could be between zero and four dots exact, as exactly 
with one, two, three, and four when the screen showed no dots, neurons in the crow's brain demonstrated it was understanding this was a numeric value, but that it was a numeric value that it contained. <gasps> and with that, Jim, give us the show notes. Producer notes. Producer notes. Yeah, show notes are in t.me forward slash Adam versus man. I don't know if you knew that, but they're there, every single one of them. All the stuff we covered today, SpongeBob SquarePants, you can get that picture at that. Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus man. That's where you can go to support the show. Instagram has all the pictures and videos at the Garden of Freedom. The homefrontbattlebuddies.com, all your donations are theft deductible. The crypto6.com, Mr. Nobody's waiting on you to write him a letter. And gogreenenergyonline.com, Mr. Nygaard's waiting to set you up with your own solar panels and shit. Hope you enjoyed the show every day. Have have a good weekend, everybody. Love you. Have a good day. Do we do one one more? We have time. Ready? Everybody. 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 All right. Go to goodnewsnetwork.org from Good News in History on August 6th. It was 30 years ago today, Tim Berners-Lee released documents describing his invention of the World Wide Web. And with that, we were able to tell you about talking with strangers in person today. Mwah, peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other. 